Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net, along with co-host Rick Bulow for another jam-packed episode of the HTDC podcast. Today, we're talking about a question that pops up in the mind of every artist from time to time. Is it okay to use references? And what's the difference between that and stealing another artist's idea? What about tracing? Is that something that can serve you as an artist? Or is it only going to hold you back? There's a lot to cover in this episode, so stick with us while we dive in here. All right, Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. This is this is a good time to do this because it's not night. It's not night for me. It's so not I'm night. Fr- it's I'm not as fresh. Night. I'm I'm as fresh as a, a lazy dane can be, and I'm ready. I love that expression. I've never heard it before, but I like it. A lazy dane? Yeah. Well, that's just the expression that you you could use as uh, you're as fresh as a lazy Australian can be if you consider yourself a lazy person. Well, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to introduce it to Australia and start using it. Um, but I'm not really that much of a lazy person, so I mean, I'm going to really have to wait for a uh, for a situation to arise where I'm really feeling like a lazy Dane. <laughs> I guess. Well, I felt well. I felt like I felt like I wasn't lazy either mm. as a person until I met you, you and Kenan and Ed and everybody. I was, and then I sat back and like, wow, okay, mm. I am lazy. There you go. Revelations on the podcast. <laughs> All right, so today's topic, it's an interesting one for sure, and I know that I've definitely asked that question myself. Personally, I've always found references to be incredibly helpful, but at the same time, I feel like I learn more when I'm forced to struggle through the hardships that sometimes my heart, my art is going to throw at me. So, you know, every, I think what I try to do is I'll collect references these days, but mostly for inspiration, you know, just to get the creative cogs turning a little bit. And I'll look at the designs of all the different characters that I love and that influence me. Like, I'm a big fan of 90s comic book characters, for example. You know, I know some people are going to totally call me out on this, but I actually love Rob Liefeld's characters. Like, the uh, the <laughs> young the Youngblood characters and Mark Silvestri's Cyberforce. Um... Jim Lee's Wildcats, these characters are so awesome, so colorful and so much bigger than life. And they were in the most action-packed comic books of the time that um, I think... And that's why they left a significant impact on the industry at large back then, because of these, these characters that played out across the comic book pages like a movie. But... That doesn't mean that I copy their ex- designs exactly. Like, I'm not referencing them to draw them in the way that I would draw them if I was working on Mark Silvestri's Cyberforce, if you know what I mean. You know, I'm just using them to kind of inspire the creation and the design of my own characters so that rather than looking like a character from Cyberforce or Wildcats, they just look like a character from the 90s comic book image era, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so there's two, there's a few different types of references that I use because there's that for the inspirational, like creative part of it. But then, you know, sometimes, and as long as I've been drawing for, I still can't conquer hands. They challenge me every single time, the hands of my characters. And what's troublesome is that they're such an expressive part of the character. They're as expressive as the face and can say just as much about their personality, how the character is feeling. You know, if they're feeling enraged, they're going to be clenching their fists ready to, you know, box someone in the bonds. But, um, you know, I think that in those instances, the kind of references I'm collecting then, well, usually I just pose in the mirror for references like that. You know, I'll, I'll put my hand into the same pose as the hand of my character that I want to draw. But uh, if I can't do that or I want to reference something else that I don't have on hand, which is kind of of a more technical, like anatomical nature, then usually I'll track down a reference like that and I'll copy straight from it, but still within the context of my own idea. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's it's a weird thing. It's neither quite here nor there for me. Um, But let's get a few of your thoughts, Rick. How do you use references? Um... How do you track them down? Do you use them to inspire you? Do you use them to direct you? What's the deal? Well, from a from a painter's mindset, without reference, 
it, it's kind of hard to get anywhere, even though you have the mindset for it. Uh, most painters draw from reference, except for those, except for those who doesn't, of course. But I, I, I've as as from what reference is meant to be used for, as just helping you, helping you settle your memory on how how a certain object looks like. Yeah, I use memory uh, reference from that. I use it to kick up my own memory of said object and keep it strong in my mind because I, you usually always already have the object that you want to draw in your head, but you need a little a little help with it. And with that, I, I feel a reference can be good to have with you and to use, like you say, take a picture picture of your of your hand. And use that for for the part that you need. In that aspect, reference can be good and helpful if you still make sure that you try and use the object just to keep the memory of it of of it in your head as strong as you need it to to get it on the paper. If that makes sense. Yeah, you kind of wanna make sure that it's fresh in your mind, especially as an artist, because you know, especially as a comic book artist. Because you have to be able to draw everything. If someone asks you to draw a animal of some kind within the comic book sequence that you need to do up, then you've got to be able to do that. Like, literally, you have to be able to draw every kind of animal, every kind of person, every kind of set. Um, literally, the amount of stuff that you need to know is just so vast that without reference, it would be impossible for you to be able to do your job as a comic book artist. And so what that ultimately comes down to, like you, you might be asking, well, like there's, there's probably not even references out there for everything when you think about it. You know, if you consider more of the fantastic sci-fi themed uh, comic books that are out there. And... Uh, there yep. There is, there is though, but you you have to be creative with, uh, with what you have because... If you look at all the sci-fi things, like in movies and in and in comics, it can be related back to something, something like an everyday object, like a piece of a piece of technology you have from the inside. The inside of a the inside of a telephone, for as an example, can be used as the base mindset, and then add it. Then then you just add something else to make it look science fiction. So everything you see most likely comes from a memory of 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 something of an known object that you just have tweaked to make it work in that in the scene you're creating that's, at least that's my take that's my take on it that's very true and it's a very effective technique of using references to inspire new ideas that are creative, that are unique, that haven't been thought of before. Like, for example, if you were designing a brand new creature that was going to star as, a, as an alien in a sci-fi comic book, let's say, well, you could take, like, a praying mantis, combine that with a bear, and then combine those with, um, you know, a rhinoceros, and... If you put all of those in a blender, you're going to come up with a very interesting-looking alien creature for your comic book, right? Now, you have taken reference, of course, but you've used it in a very creative and interesting way. So, you're never going to be able to draw just purely from your imagination and not have to depend on anything else other than that. Because the reality is, we simply... Our brains, that's it's simply an empty bucket without any input, right? That's why you got to go out there and, and look at things and experience things. Have, you know, cartoons and comic books that you're into, video games, music. Let that inspire you. Maybe it's a story that your friend told you or, you know, a, a significant storyline that just stuck with you. Even dialogue within a comic book. You know, I'm always sitting there watching movies and I'm noting down the points of dialogue that really stick out to me and stay with me long after the movie is finished. And I make sure that, you know, when the time comes that I'm ready to make my comic book, that I've kept that dialogue in mind and that maybe I'm able to put my own spin on it and have one of my own characters say it someday. So, you know, a lot of this stuff 
comes down to the way in which your mind is going to associate new ideas to already existing things, existing ideas, existing creations, right? And that's why reference is an absolute necessity, whether you're using it to inspire you or you're just using it to create a more accurate rendition of your drawing. I mean, let's face it, if you're just going out on your own and you're trying to draw a human character without any reference, I mean, you're really gambling in a big way uh, because the chances are is that you're going to end up with a finished character that is has wrong anatomy and that's it's plain and simple it may have disproportionate anatomy as well which would be even worse because everything else you pile in on top of that is is going to be flawed along with the foundation that you picked for your character so you need that reference there and if you are avoiding it for one reason or another it's silly because no one is expecting you to have an exact blueprint of the entire human body and all the muscle groups inside your mind. I don't think any artist, regardless of how masterful they are, is going to be able to pull that off. So, you know, I mean, a lot of what happens within comic books is stylization, for example, right? You come up with your own model of the human anatomy, and that helps you out in a big way. But also understanding things like form and making sure that as you draw in the different elements within your comic books that you're really considering how those forms look in perspective and that you're building it with that three-dimensional thinking because that's what's going to give you a illustration at the end of the day which is convincing which is going to draw the viewer in and was which is going to leave a significant impact on them the way i like to think about reference is that Every reference that you use from that point onward is just icing on the cake, essentially. You don't necessarily need a reference to come up with the foundations of your idea. You can come up with that on your own. You probably already have something in mind. But as far as the details go and the, and the pretty decorations, yeah, I'm always using reference to come up with, <laughs> with new ways of polishing off the drawing um, after I've got that foundation down. But even then, you may actually want to pose in front of the mirror and try out some different positions for the characters you may want to draw. I mean, who knows? And it's definitely something you can do. I, I agree there, but... But <laughs> where I where I use reference uh, as just a just an, as a memory boost, booster, I also try I also try to when I pick the reference to tweak it in my head, like to move it just a little bit, just so just so I make sure that I don't directly copy it from the picture. I try really hard to not directly copy what I see down in the picture. Like take a <laughs> take a pencil. Ordinary pencil, if you have that as a picture of reference, it, it and it stands straight up on the picture. I always try to uh, tweak it down so it stands, so it sits in another way, and the drop shadow is different from that. And that I work out in my head because I need to keep my, I also need to keep my muscle memories strong. So going directly and just taking what you see from the picture into your drawing, that will hurt you in my perspective. Mm -hmm. So you also have to put your own effort into it other than directly copying it. And that that's where, where it gets iffy for me. If people just directly copy what they see from the picture, I believe I, I find that being wrong. Not because not because it's cheating or, or, or something like that, but it hurts you more than it helps you. In what ways does it hurt an artist to do that? You you don't get that that muscle memory. You don't get that training. You don't get that, uh, as we spoke of in the last podcast, that the, the library properly implemented into you. Because if you just directly copy it from a picture, there's no need for your uh, for your for your mind to to work hard for it, and then it won't be memorized in the same way that if you had to try, have to. You, use your mind to to work it and tweak it a little bit in your head before you put it down on on in your painting or drawing it, it takes more muscle memory and muscle strength and uh, memory strength to do that and therefore it implements faster and implements stronger in the back of your head for 
for future for future usage and it becomes easier for you and you don't, don't maybe don't even need to draw have a pencil reference after that if you do it properly yeah exactly because really at the end of the day it's the difference between seeing the reference and understanding the reference and if you're just copying it at face value then you're not getting that extra level of understanding that gives your artwork tangibility at the end of the day and so I think that that's why it's so important to be able to look at your reference break that down into simplistic basic forms turn it around inside your mind and reproject that reference down onto the page within a completely different context I think that's an incredible power to have and one that'll serve you big time especially when it comes to drawing human figures I mean, it's almost impossible to draw a comic book without that level of understanding. And I think one of the greatest powers that you can have as a dynamic artist is breaking things down into the most simplest geometry. And that'll make it so much easier for you to work with. It's, it's hard to even contemplate because oftentimes we see a finished illustration or we see that reference that we're using in its finished form. And we look at it as if it's this intricate, masterful piece of work. And it really is, absolutely. But it began with a very rough-looking, ugly-looking sometimes foundation that was built upon. And, you know, the, the frame of a house never looks as great as the house when it's done, uh, depending on the house that you're talking about. <laughs> Um, you know, but let's say a beautiful mansion, for example, like it is the most beautiful, like dream mansion that you could ever imagine. Okay. When it's done, it looks beautiful. You know, there's, there's these big trees planted outside, lovely gate, and the architecture is just, you know, supreme. But at its foundations, if you're looking at the frame alone, when it's being built, it doesn't look very nice. It doesn't look as majestic as the end result. So your drawing is going to be the same. And every drawing that's inspiring you, that you're using as reference, started out in exactly the same way. So, you know, it's important to build your drawings up correctly to make sure that you are going in there and you're putting more of yourself than your references into it. Because if that imbalance begins to happen where you're using your references to influence the artwork more than your own vision for it, then it's not really 100% yours. I don't think you can say that it's yours. It won't feel like it's yours, that's for sure. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I think that there's definitely right ways to go about it and wrong ways to go about it when it comes to collecting and using reference material. But, you know, what you said, Rick, about, you know, being able to look at a reference and reinterpret it from a completely different angle really reminded me of one of the lessons inside the proportions course that I included where I actually literally showed a demonstration of how to do that, how to take a reference, build it, deconstruct, well, deconstruct it, build it, and then do that again, but from a completely different angle where you didn't have the reference already there in front of you in its finished form. So I think that doing that exercise with, you know, especially in the study phases where you're just coming up in the art game and you're trying to learn, you're trying to get a solid idea of how to interpret all this stuff on a flat page with and, and present a three-dimensional world on that surface, what you need to do is be able to get into the habit of really seeing it, everything you draw as 3D form, because it's hard to click out of that 2D mode of thinking. And it's weird that I'm associating this, you know, breaking forms down into simple geometry with using references, but I truly do think that if you're able to master that exercise, that ability, then you can use them in a very unique way and in a way where people aren't going to, like, call you out and say, hey, I know exactly where you took that from or worse, where you ripped it from, which, you know, some people do. And it's very easy to tell. All it takes is a, is a right click on someone's browser, search image in Google, and your reference, your so-called reference that you use is going to pop up right then. If you haven't made the changes you need to make it in order for it to be really yours, people are going to call you out on it. And they're going to say, hey, you know, you're, you're making this cool artwork, but you're kind of a fraud. Exactly. And a lot of people does that. I mean, we, 
I we we I got a we got a group of people in the uh, HTTT how to draw comics Facebook group that I call the that I call the uh, that I call the backup police when it comes to that because we got a few people that is really in keeping keen on keeping an eye on everything that just slightly remark remi- reminds them of someone else's work and totally. we, so so. A lot of artists are against that, so you need to be careful because you can't do that. And many artists, I know, I, I I'm getting offended every time I see it on the original artist's behalf, especially if the guy who made the quote-unquote f- uh, referenced copied one doesn't give proper credit to the to the original artist. That that upsets me as an artist to see and so and so does it with everybody else and if you upset other artists well you you kind of don't have much of a future in the business because if if you you need to work for the artist and with the other artists after all so you need to work your own reference you need to work your own stuff and i uh, going back to breaking it down I don't know if it's just me, but when you go out out and about, just in the world like a normal everyday business, Clayton, do you sometimes find yourself looking at something and just your brain automatically just starts breaking it down in your head? Oh heck yeah, all the time, Rick. I mean, uh, in especially Melbourne City, we got some crazy architecture here. Uh, you can tell that it was built by artists. I feel like I feel like it was anyway because you got all these weird and wacky, you know, modern buildings that are kind of built on top of and mixed with super old buildings. It's a very weird combination, but that's kind of the beauty of Melbourne is it is this kind of mismatched looking city. And when I'm looking at the buildings and the architecture and the intricacies that make them up, I'm always wondering about, if I was to break this down into their simplest form, what kind of shapes would I be dealing with? Obviously, you've got a lot of block forms, you've got a lot of spheres and cylinders, you know, the regular ones. But then every now and then, you're going to find a bit of architecture in Melbourne that just kind of takes you back, where you're wondering what actual shape it is that you're looking at, even on a simple level. Um, You know, you've got some onion-shaped forms, you've got some... Again, there's there's forms there which I couldn't even give a label to right now. But, you know, they are there, and that's why they're great to study. One of the best places to be with a sketchbook is Melbourne. And I'm telling you, if you sit there and you're just, you know, on the on the in the park, you know, on the bench, and you're just drawing these buildings out, you're gonna learn so much, especially about architecture, but also about the passers-by. Another wacky thing about Melbourne is the fashion sense that we have here. Um we got it's one of the most mixed combinations of fashion trend that you could ever see in walking down the streets of Melbourne because it is it, it is really odd it's kind of weird but in a good way like it's a good kind of weird where everybody is unique everybody's identity is expressed through the things that they wear and the way in which they present themselves and i love that so much because when you set out to try to create a unique character for your story you want to be thinking about ways in which you can make them individuals, in which you can make them significantly different and unique from the other characters that you cast in your book. That way they become memorable, and they stick inside the mind of the viewer for much, much longer by doing that. So, yeah, I mean, depending on the city you live in, some people have access to larger cities. Um, some people have access to more opportunities for travel, and I highly suggest that you look at what you've got available to you and you make the most of it that you can. You know, I'm a country kid. I come from, you know, a place called Upper Kandanga Creek. And let me tell you, there uh, is what, not... What? Uh, Upper Sorry, K- what? Upper Kandanga Creek. There's... there's <laughs> Upper Kandanga. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this town is so small. Like, the town center is, like, a pub and a small, like, you know... Oh, yeah, a small, sh- a small, a small milk shop, and that's about it. Um, that's really what makes up the town. I love it though. I go up every Christmas. It's the best. <laughs> sorry, man, sorry, but the name just took me. <laughs> wow, upper, 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 upper. Yep, that's uh, it. 
It's a, it's a funny name. It's a wacky name. But, uh, you know, that's my origins. That's the origins of Clayton. Um, but, you know, the things that you're going to see out there is going to be a whole different bucket of visual material that you can take in and store within your mental library. Um, so you've got, you know, hills upon hills upon hills. You've got farm animals in the paddocks. You've got trees everywhere, like the most trees that you've ever seen. And, you know, all of this stuff, it's its new content, new material that you can, you know, get get your claws into and start referencing as an artist, not not to copy it and use it within your stories necessarily as an original creation, although you could do that with, with observational uh, studies in that way, but more as a learning practice. And I think that that's the next area that I want to get into here concerning reference material, because... You know, I'm kind of guilty in a way. You know, we've been kind of crapping all over the people who use references and copy straight from them. Well, guess what? I actually did do that when I was first learning how to create comic book art. I would 100% carbon copy the illustrations of, like I said, my influences, like Mark Silvestri, David Finch. They were the main ones. And I'd sketch out these entire illustrations into my sketchbook. Now, why did I do that? Not to post them online and show off and show everybody what I could do. But I did that because it was a learning exercise. The way in which they rendered, laid down their line weights in order to articulate their illustrations. I wanted to somehow, by replicating the work they had done, pick up that ability so that when I went out on my own and I did my own illustrations, I could incorporate the characteristics of their style into my own original creations. And, you know, I mixed it up a little bit. I was I was copying from multiple artists. And one of the things that I loved doing was taking a screen capture from my favorite TV show or movie, you name it, or maybe an observational study from life, and I would do that, I would draw it up in their style, okay? In a Mark Silvestri style, in a Jim Lee style, in a David Finch style. And I would try to translate the real world into that style to solidify even further what it was they were doing to get their artwork looking the way that it looked. Of course, when I did post up those images onto my art blog, I always credited them, and I made sure that whoever saw those images they knew that the original creators were, you know, the artists that I had had copied from. So you got to do that. You got to copy. You got to rather. You got to credit the people that you're copying if you are indeed copying them that closely. You can and you can't say you can't stress that enough because if you don't, you're gonna you're really gonna get heat for it and with good reason because you. You need to respect your fellow fellow artist first and foremost. Oh yeah, you got to make it blatantly obvious who the original creators are because if even if someone misses it, like say you did credit them, but you know whoever is looking at your artwork, they just missed the credit, they're gonna call you out straight away. Especially now with such a a massive amount of access to the internet, it's so easy to find uh, you know the the originals of, of the people's artwork who you might have heavily referenced i mean we 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 got a an example for that a few months ago where a guy in the in the group what that was obviously talented on his own and he's worked in the business for a long time according to him and i believe him that he did but his overall style in 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 drawing was copying other other artists and he got a lot of flack for it, even though that the way he did it was still a respectable way in in some aspects. Oh, yeah. Was but, that the guy who was kind of merging different pieces of artwork together and then tracing over the top of them? So he would kind of come up with his own composition, own concept, but then he would draw over the top of it, yet it would still look very much as if you know Jim yeah. Lee or, or some other famous artist had done it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do believe we are talking about the same, but it was just a quick example that it happened, and and in some way, in some way, it was his own art. In some way, it wasn't, and he still, and he got, and he credited the artists as well as he should, 
but he still got major heat for it. So you got so that was just an example to point out you need to be you need to be careful. But going back to what you said about copying directly in your in your starting phase of going into the art, that's a completely different a talk, I'd say, because then I'd I I'd have no problem with it at all that you do it. But when you're on the on the level that that you are and I am and other artists are, that's going beyond, just beyond that training wheel level. You shouldn't. You should stop doing it. Yeah. Because then it will become a hindrance. Like Ed Ed Feuchuk, our our new co-host, that's haven't shown up recently because of <laughs> personal po- problems Life and we still happens. love and we still love him for it but he does it all the time but now he does it to teach others to help teach others how you can break people's anatomy down into simple shapes by just taking a picture of them and then 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 uh draw, light box them or something and then draw over it and find the and find the shapes of of the individual parts of the body in order to understand them better. In that way, you co- you are copying and you are directly copying the what you see, but you're also breaking it down. And that's okay mm. when you when you start when you're starting. And because that's how you build up that muscle memory to do so do it in your head. So you automatically start breaking things down. When you watch it, like we talked about earlier, when we go out and it just starts, you just start breaking things down that you see. I mean, you don't even have to go out. I can I can look at my lamp, and it just starts breaking down in my head if I look at it like automatically. I'm not even forcing it. Yeah. And you get and you get that with that sort of training that it it Feuchuk is showing off in his many great uh, great uh, tutorials. Oh yeah, they're incredible. And what he's teaching is a very important skill to develop. In fact, I taught a very similar lesson to a class that I had one year. It was at a new uh, institution that I began working at, and it was for a digital drawing class. And one of the first lessons that I taught them was how to break things down into simple forms. Now, that's the first thing you need to be able to do. If you're going to be able to mentally turn it around inside your head and do all these drawing gymnastics later on, then you've got to at least be able to know how to translate and break those those real-world references oftentimes down into simplistic forms. So one of the first exercises I gave them was it was a series of photographs. I think one was of a woman. Uh, it was a female portrait, and another one was of a car. And what their assignment was was to just trace over the top of that, but break the art, the the reference down into basic shapes, right? And yeah, they did that. And then their next task was to actually take that and then represent it from a different point of view afterwards. But um, you know, it's an important ability to have, and you got to be able to execute it especially when it comes to drawing comics. You know, like you said, Rick, starting out as a traditional, like, painter, for example, most of the time you're going to be using references, painting, drawing from observation. Fine arts is kind of a different ballgame, I think, because, you know, really, at the end of the day, the kind of commissions that you're asked to do need to be extremely accurate to what the client is asking. You know, if they're asking mm-hmm. you to draw a portrait of their dog, then you've got to ask them for a ton of references of their dog. Otherwise, they're not going to pay you for it, right? Because you're not going to know what it exactly. looks like. Um, but with- and and they and they, most of them don't. They say they want a portrait directly from from just one picture. When they say, Is, mm-hmm. "Isn't one picture good enough?" And yeah. they send you that picture, and you say, "You say, yeah," but then it will just be a basic copy of that draw of that painting that I see. And that will, and that, in my view, won't won't give it what you need. And then they say, "Ah, it's fine, just do it." And then when you do it, and you put it back, usually they actually get disappointed from it, really even know. though even though they know that's what they said. And yeah. then they were like, "Ah, I had, I had expect because if you draw directly copying it directly from from a portrait, in my view." It doesn't come as much alive if you have more reference to work with and have a little fun with. 
you can bring you can bring the portrait more alive if you have slightly turned it around, which is hard to do from only one picture. Yeah, it is. It's hard to capture the likeness, and especially with work like that, you have to be able to capture it in almost a, an uncanny kind of way. Otherwise, as we were saying, that the client's not going to dig it so much. But no, because because it doesn't come alive as much. Mm. It just becomes a painting of a picture uh, of a, of a dead picture. Mm. Not saying not saying not saying the animal in the object is dead. <laughs> I'm I'm saying the feeling would be will be would would feel like dead because it's the exact. Well, you can always change it a little bit, but it will still not have to have the emotion of being coming alive in the portrait if you don't have at least let's say four or five references of different different version of the object to work with to, to make it stand out just a little bit yeah exactly comic books are a different ball game though aren't they i mean there's so much more in depth and dynamic like and that doesn't make them better or worse of course but you don't have that that same level of expectation where you're going to be able to take a reference and draw it at face value and then give it to the client. You have to be able to create a essentially a movie sequence for each book where you the frames don't yet exist. You've got to create them and you've got to make them from scratch. And so I think that that's where the, the big distinction is between dynamic drawing and then fine drawing, fine arts, if you will. Um, it's a very different kind of art form, and I think that sometimes the wires are crossed, especially when you do enroll into an art course at university, for example. You know, a lot of the time, what you're not going to find is those dynamic drawing tactics that are absolutely necessary for you to understand when it comes to being a killer comic book illustrator. What you'll learn is how to draw from observation, essentially. And you'll learn how to do that really, really well. But take that subject away, and when you're left on your own, it's going to be very difficult for you to create something from nothing, essentially. So, you know, again, it, it all comes down to how you're using references, what kind of role they're playing in the production of your work. Now, for me, I don't know about you, Rick, but I've got a... An, an entire library of references on my computer. And when I do go traveling, I try to capture as many uh, photos as I can of interesting landforms and people. You know, I mean, <laughs> you probably shouldn't just go out and start taking photos of people, maybe uh, without their permission. <laughs> but, you know, you, you want to, like, kind of do it in a covert operational way where you're, like, you know, if you find somebody who looks interesting, then maybe you could just explain your situation, say that you're an artist who wants to, you know, create some interesting-looking characters and that they're an interesting-looking subject that you'd like to take yeah, a yeah, that's not, that, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not, that doesn't send a stalker alert in your head at no, all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, <laughs> look... Don't don't take any notice of me. I mean, that probably wouldn't go down well with most people. But who knows? Maybe they'd be like humbled. <laughs> if some honestly, if someone came up to me and said that, I'd be like, heck yeah, take some photos. I'd like pose for them and everything. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a funny thing. It's it depends on the person. I I would rather personally as well be be asked than just my picture being taken without yeah. without without knowing. Yeah, big but fun. again, different 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 opinions for different people yeah anyways I, I don't want to go too far away from the whole we just talked about because you brought up the whole fine art going into dynamic art and we we, we do have at least one artist we can talk about that did that and did it really well but actually struggled with it at first and that's alex ross yeah yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about him? Because I love his artwork, but I don't know a whole lot about his background. I know he's a traditional artist who does a lot of watercolor, uses a lot of watercolors, and um, you know makes this immaculate looking artwork, and and I absolutely adore it. And he's got an excellent YouTube channel out there as well, which is just so insightful. But um, maybe you it's know a little really... bit more about his history. Uh, he he is he he is com he comes from the fine uh, fine arts and he has uh, has degrees and 
and everything. I schooled probably, and he was actually kind of older-ish. I think actually he started around my age at first to consider going into do, uh, doing uh, doing uh, uh, comics. Hey, I'm gonna be the new the new Alex Ross guys. No, but he he says that that was the that was the biggest problem for his for him because he always used a lot of reference. He 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 has friends that you used to dress up for him that he take that he took pictures of in various various uh, positions and poses in order to get what he wanted but he still had to tweak them immense immensely and in order to do that and still make it as realistic and fine art ish looking as possible was really hard for him first to master even though he knew even though he knew all the basics and all the and and beyond that knowing and actually starting to work with it was was different from him in a long time and that's what I I also put struggle with right now because I can do I can do fine art I can do and also make it look look decent on a in, on a comic page but it still just looks dead and bland because there's no there's there's no dynamic in, in it that uh, Jack Kirby dynamic that I always love. Mm. So how did Alex Ross? grow from that like how did he get past that those issues that he was having as far as being oh. so dependent on reference material uh i'm uh, i'm not 100 percent sure but how mm. i would have guessed he done it was actually just go he was a big comic book fan so he he knew the whole dynamics already in 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 what he could see and I do believe, at least I would, and I have, I went to read a lot of how to draw comics books to get that dynamic feel and the difference from how to do fine arts and how to do the comics arts and how to try and merge those two together. Mm. Yeah, ultimately, and that's a, yeah. That's a, work, that's a work in itself. And so... I think that's the process he did it. I can't tell. I, he probably talked about it in an interview. He, he he's done a ton of interviews after all. And even though I'm I'm a huge fan of his, I I'm, I probably missed a lot. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, something else is, that just popped into my mind while we were talking about Alex Ross is the fact that. Many of his characters that he's depicted, such as Superman and Batman, they all have like very distinct faces that he's actually based on real people, I believe. And you know, you got that Alex Ross look. It's so well associated with his work now. But it reminded me of how I also have another kind of reference, which I like to refer to as a style reference. So you got your anatomy references. You've got your references that you use for inspiration and creativity. You know, again, talking about those 90s comic book characters. But then you've also got your style references. And what I mean by that is that I've collected a particular kind of face that I've found I want to have my comic book characters to have. And I've stored those as references in my reference folder so that I can go back to them whenever I feel like I'm derailing a little bit from the look that I have for my characters and my style. I can go back to them and I can make sure that everything is on track, which is a really interesting thing to think about because I only realized that you know, probably in the last few years, and I think it's an important thing to keep in mind because one thing that happens with our artwork as artists is that Oftentimes, it kind of, as you progress, you lose some of what you learned previously. Okay, so mm-hmm. you, you're almost like playing this game of catch-up, but like you're chasing your own tail in a way, because as you learn new things, you forget old things. And as you learn those old things, you forgot the new things that you learned that are now old. And so I find that by keeping these style references handy and these can be even references of my own work sometimes 
because sometimes I forget how I go about rendering certain areas of anatomy and certain lighting conditions with certain materials. And I, I really do forget it. And I sit there and I'm stumped for a while. And then I go back to my reference folder where I got a bunch of my artwork sitting there and I go, that's how I did it. And I think it, it's, it's kind of scary to think about because it's almost as if one day you could wake up and everything you've learned would have just disappeared. And uh, if not for those, those reference materials there that you've stored in order to recollect the kind of style and the kind of look that you want your artwork to have. Yeah, I, you, I completely agree. I mean, the, we both me and Ed has teached you about uh, your your female female faces look 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 ominously like a, a certain woman in your life. And yeah, well, fun, but funnily enough, even more than that, um, a lot of my comic book characters. Uh, that are female, yes, they do follow the same kind of hairstyle and general vibe as my lovely partner, but, and and they have that badass kind of personality, which I love my female characters to have. Like, I I want them to be mean, and I want them to be, you know, sexy at the same time, what have you. But at the same time, a lot of the actual shape of the face and the facial features are all based on, uh, to be honest, Victoria's Secret models like Andrea and Alima. And uh, mix that with some Mark Silvestri. I love the way he does faces. I love the way Michael Turner does faces. You know, those big, bold eyelashes that frame the eyes and those voluptuous full lips. Absolutely love that in my female comic book characters. As you've probably seen already, people who follow my work. But... I do have references there where I have that particular style of face stored so that I can always refer back to that if I start to lose my way on, you know, the style I've already established for myself. Yeah, yeah, you need that. You, I have have my stuff in my references as well because, as you said, you can't get stumbled about, you can't forget about how to do things, uh, how to, how did I... How did I make that? How did I make that lighting work on that gun? As an example, yeah, totally. Oh yeah. It's so it's good to have because else you'll get stumped, and then you and then you you'll your brain will start demotivate you for to uh, from continuing, and then and it will end badly. So reference is good in that way. Again, as we spoke of at first, to keep your memory intact mm. and strong. Yeah, you're really asking yourself of a big task when it comes to being able to draw comic books, that's for sure. And it's just impossible to remember everything that you need to remember in order to be able to do it to the level that you want to be able to do it at. So references are really a necessity. Now, one of the last things I want to talk about is tracing. Is there ever a time or a situation where that is a viable course of action to take, in your opinion, Rick? Uh before before I met uh, before I became part, member of the member of the Hotrod Comics group, group and saw other people's mindsets on it, I would have said clearly, no, it's just stupid. Don't do it. You'll just bite it in your ass. Mm. But then I but then I I return back to Ed mm. because that's basically what as I as I told. To, uh, told you before that what he does is basically tracing what he sees and then breaks it down you said it as well tracing is useful in the very beginning of your when you're starting to build your build yourself up yeah I but think you that's... have to let it, but you have to let it go in the end because don't try and think you can get away with building a career on it because you can't you can't you can't mix, oh, I like Jim Lee. Oh, I also like Humberto Ramos. Let's mix those two up by tracing over their styles. I mean, those are two polar opposites, so you so you, you can see that that looks stupid. But as an example, people will instantly see what you're doing. Mm. So yeah. again, training, as, 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 as your training wheels, as I like to call it, It'll be fine to do because it help. It will help you build that muscle memory, that, and that, that mental library in your head, and understand mm. your objects better. 
Yeah, we talked about understanding your references, not just seeing them as an observation. And I think that that's really where that exercise comes into play in a big way. When you actually go through the process of interpreting these references in the way that they should be interpreted, which is breaking them down, really getting a solid understanding of what makes them up on a foundational level, and then being able to use that information to reproject them down to the page in whatever way you want. Yeah, that's powerful. That's incredible. That's an incredible ability to have as a comic book artist. And that is probably one of the only situations in where tracing is going to significantly help you. But otherwise, in my opinion, I don't think it helps a whole lot at all. And it's one of the big things that I see my students in the classroom doing sometimes where I have to kind of, you know, redirect them and say, hey, that's not going to help you out in any way. You know, they might be t drawing up an environment or a character or something. They'll be using an underlying reference as a base from which they're building that. And I just think that when you work in that way, there's nothing that's challenging you to consider the perspective that you're drawing in or the forms that you're trying to represent or the composition or anything. Literally none of the principles of drawing that make your composition work are being considered or even being processed by your brain. And that is not, that means that you're essentially just you're essentially just you're a printing machine, right? You you are literally a printing machine. You don't have to think, you don't have to make decisions. You just have to draw out what's underneath the piece of paper that you're working on and that's it. It's it's done, right? And I think that that's going to really be a waste of time depending on what your ultimate outcome is. If you do want the power that a dynamic artist possesses, then you can't be working like that. You've got to really be considering what those principles are that make a drawing work and then mastering those so that you can create your own stuff. And really, if you're going to put the time into learning how to draw, don't you want to be able to create your own stuff? Don't you want to don't you have your own stories to tell, your own characters to present to the world? I mean, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you put the time and effort and work in. And a great way to measure this is how challenged are you feeling on a regular basis when it comes to your art practice? If you're finding it easy, that either means that you're doing the wrong thing or you need to step it up a notch. It means that you've leveled up long ago and it's time to advance a little further. And, you know, that's ultimately the way I see it. And, but although in saying that, I am totally guilty of tracing. I remember when I was in primary school, I was like tracing Bart Simpson and, uh, you know, some Dragon Ball Z here and there, some Disney cartoons. But that was when I was a kid and you know, I didn't really know any better. I wasn't thinking about my art career or where I wanted to take it. I just liked drawing and I thought it was cool to be able to be a copycat, a, a, essentially a photocopier, essentially. But then you grow up and you realize, hey, I have my own stuff, my own ideas that I want to show to the world, that I want to share to the world. And the only way that you're going to be able to pull that off is if you do if you study in the right way is if you harness your the correct skill sets that you need to harness because if you're tracing the only skill set that you're really mastering there is just you know being a good photocopier and that's about it <laughs> and you in the end you get nowhere with that there's no there's no there's no cheat code in the, to how to to improve in in art other than doing the work doing mm. the grind trace a trace a tracing is gonna bite you in the ass more than it's gonna help you and that's that's my take on it i i don't understand why people that see themselves as beyond uh, in trading what mm. do would do it in any sort of way i can see it in my head why do they do it if they have the basic understandings of why not to do it and do it and just draw it on their own? Yeah. I mean, I will say this. Maybe the only time in which being a, tra a professional tracer is a good thing is if you're an Inca. Okay? Maybe yeah. then you got to be able to, to trace yeah. things well. Um, good you know, point. There is that. But even, if, but even an Inca has to improve on, on and, and enhance the, the, the pencil work. You As an Inca, you still have to put in your own 
feel of what you see and and make make the pencils uh, the right pencil lines show more than more than others and that also means you have to have an idea of basic structure and basic anatomy and basic proportions in order to make that work properly oh yeah absolutely you know a lot of the time great inkers are great artists pencilers in and of themselves um, because a lot of the time the pencils that they get aren't finished or polished and they got to do a lot of work to enhance the quality of the final product so yeah you're 100 percent right rick um, but that is really the only uh, context that i can think that that skill set would add any value to but uh yeah okay man. well if if you are an animator then tracing is a good thing That's but also good we're not thing. we're not here to, we're not here to talk about animations are we well no not really i mean you know i guess <laughs> that between a still image and an animation what you get is comic books but yeah it's yeah it's a funny thing so i think you know really to come to a conclusion on this conversation for any artists out there who are kind of torn between what they should be doing as far as the use of references go, they're okay to use. In fact, really, you should be using them. And if you're not, it's it's not a smart idea as an artist to not have any references at all that you're drawing from. Because what you're going to end up with is a bland-looking finished illustration that has no creativity put into it it has no direction and it's just going to be generic because really the only ideas or you know things floating around inside your mind without any input is extremely generic dumbed down iconic versions of the information that you've stored and if you want to test this out try drawing a castle without any reference i can guarantee you the only castle you're going to be able to come up with is maybe you know a very simplified Disney castle that you saw when you were a kid, right? That's how your brain stores information. And if you look at your castle and compare that to the a reference such as what you might find from Lord of the Rings as an example or Harry Potter, you're going to find that there's a significant level of resolution applied to those references that you're just not going to be able to draw uh, from your mind. So. You've got to really consider that. It's going to help enhance your idea. It's going to help flesh it out. That's how references serve you best, by inspiring your style and keeping you on track with that, inspiring your ideas and your creativity, and also ensuring that you know any technical aspects of the drawing are indeed accurate. Beyond that, references should never be used as a crutch, okay? A something that holds your drawing up and without it you wouldn't be able to draw at all right like talking about alex ross before you know when he first went to do his comic book art and and went in that direction from being a fine artist realized how difficult that was without reference you never want to end up in that position especially as a comic book artist because you're going to have directors telling you to draw this that and everything and most of it you won't have any mental library consisting of that at all right so you're going to need those references there, and uh, but but the last thing that you want to do is find yourself in a place where we even without those without those references you wouldn't be able to draw anything at all. Okay, you want to at least be able to come up with a composition for your idea, a general layout for it that does incorporate all those basic drawing principles that make it work, such as perspective, proportion, composition, placement, etc. So that's my take on it. What about you, Rick? I agree, because, because you, you can't find yourself in positions where you, you, you are unable to just find a picture for reference. Like, at a, at a comic con, when you, if you're sitting on a table and drawing, and you don't have your phone for reference with you, and someone and a potential customer comes up and says, "Hey, can you draw Batman for me?" You still have to rely on your on your basic knowledge of how Batman looks like, which is an easy yeah. one. It's an easy one if you've read comics all your life. You you get the gist of it, and if you if you add that to your to your understanding and understandings of dynamics. Uh, proportions and proper in a, in a anatomy well you'll get a really good batman out of pro memory without reference reference is important 
but you also need to understand why it's important. And that's also a part of your training to become a good artist. Understand the value of references. It's basically my, my, my end line for this. Understand the value of references. Exactly. 100% how to use them, what purpose they serve, all of that good stuff. Anyway, that is a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with us. We really appreciate it. Wouldn't be the same without you. Rick, thank you so much for being here, my man. It's been awesome. And uh, we'll see you good folks next week for another episode of the HTDC Podcast. Until then, keep on penciling.